Folks, welcome back to the Clemson Podcast. Ben and Sam here with you today with an early March check-in on how things are going on the hard court with the basketball team and then also on the diamond with the baseball team. And honestly, not a lot of good news right now. Uh, basketball, we've lost two of the games where we needed to at least win one of them uh, in Florida State and North Carolina. And then on the baseball field, off to a good start for the season, um, but currently losing 6-1 to one against South Carolina and in danger of losing that season series with them. So today we'll recap the last four games uh, in basketball season and <clears throat> kind of project what we think will be needed for Clemson to get into the tournament. And then we'll do a check-in on the baseball team, a bit of a season preview, but nothing too in-depth. Uh, we'll more so just catch up to where the boys are. But the good news, Sam, is uh, the women's basketball team looks like they may be turning bound and uh, it's uh, spring football practice back. So there is a silver lining to this uh, gray cloud over Clemson, active Clemson sports right now. Yeah, we've got some positive things. It's just the main sports are struggling at the moment. And baseball is good uh, overall. It's just not going well today yet. No. Uh, they have time to turn it around, though. It's only the fourth inning. Yeah, so that's going on in the background here. Hopefully things improve while we get through this uh, show. But uh, let's start off with the basketball team here. Um, 17 and 12. Seven and nine, which is good for ninth in the ACC. And as we mentioned in the last episode, that's probably going to be about the bottom for this team. They're not going to go any lower than that looking at the standings. Um, but that opportunity to move up is uh, slowly decreasing as uh, my estimation now, eighth is probably about best we can finish in the league. Uh, we really thought we needed to win three out of the last four games. Um, we ended up dropping two. And both of those were to, to teams where we needed, we really needed one of these victories against Florida State and North Carolina to get, put that quality win on our schedule, um, which we really still don't have. We went two and, uh, or sorry, went two and two in that stretch. Um, and yeah, we're almost out of chances to pick up that quality win to keep our attorney herps alive. But as usual, uh, it's been close to no cigar for this team. Yeah, I mean, the, the Florida State game, just going chronologically, the Florida State game was never particularly close. Florida State pretty much manhandled us. Um, Mifondo Cabangeli had a fantastic game for Florida State and just looked like a man among, among boys. And so that one was, was not particularly close, but uh, the loss today or yesterday to UNC was excruciating. It was super close the whole game. I don't think it ever got uh, to a bigger lead than like eight points for either team. We led, they led, it was back and forth. And uh, in the end, we we came up short. Uh, there's been a lot of discussion online about the the last play of the game with Shelton Mitchell, and we'll get into that as w when we recap. But uh, long and short of it is that we have another two-point loss on our schedule this year. Yeah, just another heartbreaker for that team. And again, a, a game we really need to needed to win um 
But going back, I, I think the most disappointing out of uh, the two losses was the Florida State game, just because that was at at home. Uh, you know, we we can play with them. Um, but the first half was bookended by two long scoring droughts. We only scored two points in the last six and a half minutes of the half, down by 15 points at halftime, and it really never felt like the, the guys were in this one. The offense did play better in the second half, outscoring, eventually outscoring Florida State by two, and we did cut the lead down to single digits, but uh, kind of trailed off after that and just weren't able to ever really get into that game. Yeah, uh, it was not terrible shooting night for us uh, we shot 34 percent from three what we failed to do well was was score inside we we're only 38 percent from the for the game from the field um whereas florida state shot 48 percent so uh we took the same number of shots if you're shooting 10 percent worse than the opponent and not hitting your free throws that well it's not going to end well um marquise reed led the way for us with 20 um he was fine, but again, a fairly inefficient outing. 16 shots to get to those 20 points. He actually missed a couple free throws, which is unusual for him. Um, he did go 50% from behind the arc, though. He was 3 for 6 from 3. Shelton Mitchell also had a pretty decent game from 3, going 3 for 8. Um, nothing else really of note. Two points from the bench for the whole game uh, was pretty pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah, and that's been a trend lately, especially, you know, Trap has been our main guy, the, the one that we can really count on coming off the bench, and he was 0-8 shooting this game, <clears throat> his two points coming off of uh, free throws. Mm -hmm. uh, but we did start to see Hunter Tyson take some minutes away from Sims down the stretch in this game. Yeah, Tyson played 12, uh, 12 minutes in this game. John Newman and Trey Jamison got in for two and three. Uh, so still heavily starter minutes. Clyde Trapp and, and Tyson played a good amount. So it's it's a trend that we're starting to see more of. Uh, the UNC game without David Scara was filled with a lot of reserve play. Uh, Clyde Trapp got the start in his stead. Uh, but for Pitt and BC as well, we saw Hunter Tyson and John Newman out there a good bit. Yeah, so picking up uh, the wins uh, against B uh, Boston College and at Pitt, you know, two crucial victories. At this point, we have to win. All of these games that essentially aren't against ranked opponents um, at, at this point, you can't afford to drop games like 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 the Miami game, and even that one is could come back to bite us. But a good ten point win um, against Boston College, Clemson led for most of the half in that one, up four at halftime. Did suffer a scoring drought uh, that kind of went from the end of the first half and continued into the second. That eventually allowed Boston College to build a six point lead, and Boston College is actually a team that's been playing better lately. Um, but eventually, Tigers did lock down a defense, battling back, um, and ended up winning the game. Uh, Marquise Reed had a career-high 31 points, including 5 for 7 from behind the arc, and um, also 5 steals. He's been doing that lately, too. I think he had 5 steals in the North Carolina game. So, you know, Marquise Reed struggling a little bit early on in the, in the year, but he's really come on as, as of late. He has. That uh, Boston College game was fantastic for him. Obviously, you mentioned career-high. It's always a good thing, uh, but he just looked really in control especially from deep five for seven was awesome. Uh, he also had nine rebounds for assists. He was just doing a little bit of everything in this game and he looked good. It was good to see. Um, and it, I think it kind of radiated out to his teammates a little bit because we ended up shooting over 50% from the field for the game. Um, Shelton Mitchell was two for three from three, three for five from the field for the game. Uh, Eli ended up with a double, double 14 points, 10 rebounds. Scara uh, hit a three. Amir Sims, 
was yeah, 0 for 3 yeah. from 3, but he was 4 for 7 from the field with 10 points in the game. So Right, that means that means he was getting the ball inside, which is what we've been begging him to do. And being yep. more aggressive shot, around the rim. Shot a couple free throws, made them both. Um, so, overall, BC, offensively, we looked fantastic. Uh, we struggled a bit to stop um, Jairus Hamilton, uh, which is kind of confusing because he had his career high against us in that game with 17 um, and he had six rebounds as well so he had a really good outing Kai Bowman we shut down entirely in the first half I think he made one shot had three points in the first half uh, ended up with 17 because he's Kai, Kai Bowman and that's what he's going to do um, but it took him 21 shots to get there so uh, the combination of, of John Newman and David Scara and Marquise Reed really slowed him down and made him work hard for those 17 points and it was enough to to keep them out of the game. Yeah, so defense really locking down um, over these um, these two wins against Boston College, and again a much needed win moving into the pit game. Uh, so good to see us get a double digit win on the road in that one. I know Pitt's not a very good team, um, but still, it's you take what you can get. We had, Clemson got off to a hot start in that game, scoring thirty eight points and building a, a twenty two point lead by halftime. Uh, we did go cold for a little bit in the second half as, as Pitt switched to a zone defense, which is yep. concerns me going into the Syracuse game. Absolutely. Um, but uh, after a nearly seven-minute scoring drought, Pitt did trim the lead to 13 and eventually to 10, but they never really got any closer than that. Clemson ended up winning by uh, 14 points. Um, shot 38.5% from three. So, again, you're starting to see the shooting numbers at least improve. Um, we did commit 10 more fouls as Pitt shot 28 free throws to, to our nine. And Sam, was that a combination of maybe some bad refereeing um, or Clemson maybe relying more on an outside shot, not getting the ball inside the paint? Uh, I think there's a couple pieces to that, right? Uh, the fact that we had 23 fouls in the game, uh, Clyde had four, John Newman had three, Eli Thomas had four, Sims had four, a bunch of other guys had two, uh, was some ticky-tack fouls on the outside. Uh, we, it was like, they weren't letting us put any pressure on the perimeter on, on Pitt's guards, which was frustrating. Uh, we had at least four or five calls that, that were not fouls and most of them were not on shooting. So it didn't totally immediately affect us, but it put us in foul trouble for the whole game and was pretty frustrating to watch. Uh, and the fact that we only shot nine free throws, uh, Keith had four scar hit a couple Shelton hit a couple. And Eli only shot one. Uh, Eli was getting hacked left and right down low in the pit game and shot one free throw. It was it was not a well-officiated game. Um, but we also didn't really put enough pressure, especially in the second half when they went to zone. We didn't put any pressure on their interior. And Pitt is one of the worst teams in the country at blocking shots around the rim. Um, and we didn't take advantage of that at all. Yeah, for the life of me, when we get into some of these scoring droughts, I cannot understand why we don't get it inside to Eli Thomas more. I know he's, he struggles with foul trouble at time, at times, um, but still, when he's on the court and we're going through a scoring drought, the ball's just got to touch his hands. You can't keep settling yep. for outside shots. Um, he did have, I mean, he had another good game in this one, 12 points, eight rebounds, and three blocks. Um, yep. Efficient, too. Six for eight from the field. Yeah, uh, Hunter Tyson played 16 minute, minutes coming off the bench, scoring nine points, going three from five uh, from three. So that was a very positive sign. And again, it continued that trend of us starting to see him eat into to, uh, Amir Sims' minutes. Yeah, Tyson played really well in, in the pit game. He went three for five from three, had a career-high nine points, also had four rebounds. Uh, he was fighting hard on defense, getting through screens. 
Um, he looked really good. And, you know, so he played 16 and Sims actually only played 15. Part of that was foul trouble. Part of that was that Tyson was actually playing well. Um, but Hunter outplayed Amir in a similar role in that pit game. Yeah, the the effort from him um, has really been good to see. And, you know, going into the North Carolina game, you start to see him get, you know, he got a lot more minutes in that one too. Now, Sims moving into the North Carolina, North Carolina game, Sims uh, had a small spurt there in the second half where he got a few buckets, uh, one around the room and then a three-pointer. Mm-hmm. That I think gave him some confidence and gave Brown uh, Brownell some confidence, but um, Tyson did get his fair share of minutes. And the same thing with Newman; they played nearly twenty minutes apiece in this game. Yep. Um, and it's interesting to see Brad Brownell start to get uh, a lot of these younger guys some more playing time in, um, in, in what is still very crucial moments in this season because we still have the opportunity to make it into the tournament. Um, so. You know, again, we talked about the UNC game, another heartbreaking loss by two. Uh, the Tigers actually led most of the first half, but did suffer a six-minute scoring drought that kept uh, North Carolina close. And eventually, uh, the Tar Heels took a four-point lead into the half. But you got to got to give it to these guys. They really fought and battled all game. Um, they scored, ended up scoring 79 points. Um, they did regain the lead for a short time midway through the second. But in, in the end, North Carolina just proved too much. Uh, down the stretch. We did have the chance to win it down two in the closing seconds, but Sam, I know this drove you crazy. Shelton Mitchell drove wildly into traffic with the clock winding down and turned it over. Didn't even get a shot off. No, the fact that we didn't get a shot off is what irritates me most, I think. But uh, Shelton Mitchell is supposed to be our senior leader who's got, you know, the clock in his head and knows what the right plays are. We had a timeout left. We got a rebound with about six seconds left to go in the game. Shelton got the ball, and instead of getting across half court and calling a timeout, letting Brad Brownell set up a play. He decided to run at two defenders who were in really good defensive position and flail in an attempt to draw a foul. That didn't work. It was the right call. No call was the correct call. Uh, Cause Shelton was completely out of control. Yeah. Uh, he needed to pull that ball out and either find a teammate who's cutting to the hoop. If you're going to go fast and, and get that, there needs to be an open layup. If you're going to do it, that quickly and if there's not there's still five seconds left in this game stop call a timeout because brownell can't call it in that situation it's got to be called by the players um so shelton as our our point guard needs to know that and if he doesn't one of the other seniors on the court needs to know that and needs to yell at the refs while Shelton's trying to throw the game away by running wildly down the court. Yeah. Um, he's no DeMontez Stitt, right? You know, that was a guy by the end of his career, we could, he had that ability to take on two guys and, and go to the rim, but that's not Shelton Mitchell. Um, in that scenario, yeah, either call the timeout or wait for your guys to catch up and pop it off to read for a three. Um, I would have much rather seen that happen. At least again, you're getting a shot off. Um, So the weird thing about this game, you know, the Tigers shot over 47% from the field and over 36% from three, 77% from the line, all better numbers than North Carolina. We had 10 steals to their five, three less turnovers. We were out rebounded, but only by three. I mean, looking at the numbers, we should have won this game. Yep. We, we gave ourselves a chance and poor execution at the end of the game cost us. um, But you know, these things happen. (laughs) It's, it's frustrating to watch, especially when, you know, we were so close and this is one of the best teams in the country. We had a pretty solid defensive effort. Um, and I just feel like we didn't really follow a game plan that made sense against this team. Uh, we let them speed us up a good bit 
and get you know get out of our rhythm it was a generally for us we like to have about 60 to 65 possessions in a game that's usually where uh, it's more our pace and we can kind of control the flow of the game this game had 75 possessions for each team uh as which indicated is, by the higher scoring yeah which is why we scored 79 we got more shots up uh but it's something that North Carolina is far more comfortable with. They are one of the faster paced teams in the country. We're about 250th of 350. Uh, whereas UNC likes to run and they get out and push, especially with Kobe white at point guard. They are the fourth fastest team in the country. They have the fourth most possessions and the game against them yesterday was pretty much exactly at their general, their normal tempo. So we played their game and we did it well, which was surprising and a pleasant surprise. Um, but I, I can't help but feel if we had slowed it down a little bit and done more of our thing um, and gotten some more clean looks and it's more about getting them and yeah, giving them about, fewer chances. Yeah, it's more about getting them at a rhythm. Exactly. We Not just so played that we were right in into their speed. playing their game. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, we we played well. It was a, a well-played game for Clemson. We came out on fire early in the first half, hit a bunch of shots early, uh, especially from three. But... Uh, I think we let that get us kind of worked up and, and keep running. And, and when, if we had played our game and slowed them down a little bit, I think we could have had a good chance to pull it out. And obviously the last possession is frustrating, but uh, you know, these things happen. Yeah. So it's really all for not when you kind of make such a poor decision there at the end of the game and really don't give yourself a chance to win. Um, you know, Mitchell had 11 in this game, but five turnovers and only three assists. That's not a good look, especially for your senior point guard. Um, Reed led with 24 traps started uh, for this game actually and added 15 points. What happened with David Scar? Did you read anything about that? Yeah. So Scar got hurt in the pit game. He hurt his elbow gotcha. and about 20 minutes before game time, he apparently went to Brownell and told him that he didn't think he could put enough on passes to, to be able to play. And so Clyde got the, the start instead. Played well though. Um, he did. He looked good. Cause he had struggled in kind of the past three games. Uh, we mentioned the the bench guys uh, they didn't score a lot of points, but they got a lot of time in this one. Um, and then, of course, Thomas with 14 points and 11 rebounds, another double-double, but again, only played 27 minutes as he was in foul trouble. And, you know, there was that, you know, there's every minute, extra minute that we can get him on the court, the, the better it is because we don't have a guy like Mark Donald from last year who was a decent replacement for Elijah Thomas and mm -hmm. was somewhat of a scoring threat. We don't have that in Javen White, although he did have four points. And Jimison is just... You know, it's going to take time. He's not there yet. But it's the stupid little things where Thomas goes down and, and, and takes a, a three, yeah, um, which he shouldn't have taken to begin with, and then turns Compounds into a break. A foul, right? Yeah, it turns into a break, and you just know going down that he's going to foul on the other, on the other end. And that was just a really bad um, uh, chain of events there. Yeah, I don't remember who it was that, that got the rebound off of his clanged three. It was one of the guards for UNC, uh, maybe Kenny Williams or, or Seventh Woods. But uh, you just knew watching Eli backpedal towards the rim with a UNC guard barreling down on him that he wasn't going to be able to handle that play well. And they were either going to get a layup or Eli was going to foul. And uh, unfortunately, he ended up fouling. And that was that stretch of about five minutes around that that time in the game is when he picked up three fouls and he did well in the first half. He, he limited his fouls and then he had a stretch of about five minutes, the second half that kind of knocked him out of the game for a long, a long period of time. 
Yeah, so in the end, I mean, could have used him on the court more, obviously, especially when you lose by two points every every minute, every point counts. But yeah, to go two and two in this stretch, it's disappointing. You wanted at least, again, one win against UNC or Florida State. Um, but still time, not much time left, but there is still time for this team. So uh, that does it for the game uh, recaps. Uh, let's take a little bit deeper dive into kind of some of the individual issues on this team. Um, okay, Sam, so I want to start off with Marquise Reed here. Um, we have seen a really a lot of improvement from him over the last several games. He's actually shooting 54% from three in his last, I think, five games, up to, up to over 36% on the year, a point higher than last year. So a very positive sign out of him. Yeah, Reed's been great. Uh, in conference, he's now up to shooting 42, almost 42, 41.8% from three in ACC play. That's actually good for seventh in, in the ACC. Um, and that's, you know, a far cry from the, the 36% on the season. And obviously in non-conference, it's even lower than that 36%. He was shooting around 32% in, in non-conference. So he's definitely pulling it together. And if this team's going to make any run, we need him to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so really good to, to see him get going. Uh, Shelton Mitchell, his scoring has ticked up. He scored in double digits in his last seven games, but he's still turning the ball over at a high rate. His turnover rate is the highest of his career, and his assists per game are at the lowest of their career. And this is not what you expect from your senior point guard. No. And I, so I wanted to to get into some stuff around assists and turnovers uh, with our, our team in general, but Shelton specifically as our, as our point guard. Um, I took a look, and in his last five games he's had um pretty decent ratios at least flat assist to turnovers uh but if you look at his advanced stats uh his assist rate which is the number of baskets when he's on the court the number of baskets that he assists by his teammates uh so if they're scoring what percentage of those are assisted by him and his turnover rate uh which is how many possessions does he end uh what percentage of those end with a turnover so the Ending of a possession can either be a shot that doesn't that doesn't get rebounded by us, so end of our possession, right? The it's defensive rebound. He makes it and scores, or he turns it over. Those are the three choices. Um, and this year, his assist rate is eighteen and a half, and his turnover rate is eighteen point nine. Your your leading point guard, your point guard, your senior leader needs to have a positive, more a higher assist rate than a turnover rate. Um, and he doesn't have that. Uh, Marquise Reed's actually our best on the team, which is not saying much because he's at 19.9 assists and 16.3 turnover. Without someone who's distributing effectively, without turning the ball over all the time on our team, we're going to struggle on offense. And you can see that in every game that we play. Yesterday, a bit of an exception against North Carolina. Um, but if you look at some of the top teams in the country, almost all of them, uh, offensively have have a point guard or a player who has a tremendously high assist rate that's paired with a lower turnover rate. So the top offenses in the country, top five, are Virginia, Tennessee, Duke, Gonzaga, and Purdue. For each of those teams, Purdue being the exception, uh, Carson Edwards' numbers for Purdue are very similar to Marquise Reed's. But the other four teams have a guy <clears throat> who's got at least nine points higher in his assist rate than his turnover rate. And some of them have two and we have none. And so it's just, 
it's one of the things that points to why we struggle on offense, but I think it also points to a, a lack of a coherent plan uh, or maybe just an inefficient plan offensively from the coaching staff. Well, we don't have anybody to fall back on. We're really shallow at the guard position coming off the bench. You know, you can throw Clyde Trapp in there, but he, he's going to do the same thing. He struggles with turnovers. Um, and, you know, John Newman's not ready to take over that role yet. So you have to kind of keep going with Shelton Mitchell and hope that he plays better. But the fact of the matter is he hasn't. And, you know, it'll, you know, top it off with the end of the game situation yesterday. And that's just kind of how it's been this year. Yep. We just, we don't have a true point guard on the roster. It's what was supposed to be Shelton Mitchell. I mean, you look at his, his numbers throughout his career. You've mentioned it. He's getting, he's turning it over more um, per game than he ever has. His, his turnover rate is actually uh, not the highest ever, but he's playing more minutes now and has the ball in his hands more. So he gets more gross turnovers. Um, but he's just, he's not a true point guard. He wants to score and he doesn't actually facilitate the offense that well. No, I mean, and even as well as the team played yesterday, um, scoring the ball, I think he only had, what, three assists? Yeah, three assists, five turnovers, uh, 11 points on nine shots. Right. So the 11 on nine is is all right. Um, you'd like it to be a little bit higher than that as a, as a ratio, but the three, three assists to five turnovers is something that you just can't have from your point guard in big games. Yeah, and so moving on from Mitchell, you know, Eli continues to have a, a really good season uh, from an offensive production standpoint, at least when he's on the court. Um, he's averaging over 13 points a game this year, still shooting a whopping 63% from the field. Um, again, I know he's been in foul trouble at times, but when he's on the court and we're going through scoring droughts, for the life of me, I don't know why we don't get it uh, down to him more, but such is life. Um, David Scara, and I wonder in that North Carolina game if – having him would have helped slow down that pace and kind of get them out of rhythm. Um, I, I think we obviously miss his defense more than we would miss his offense, but yeah. you know, over his last three games that he's played and he's actually been averaging over eight points a game. So somewhat positive to see him start to pick it back up on the offensive end. Yeah. I think we definitely missed him yesterday defensively. Um, but he's also a very capable three point shooter. Um, he's actually got now that Marquise is back, uh, on track, they're tied for the best three-point percentage on the team. But Scara has consistently been in like the high 30s, low 40s percent throughout the year. He's down to 36.6 at this point in the season. Uh, Marquise, with his recent hot streak in ACC play, is up to 36.6%. So, um, you know, losing the the commander of the defense who kind of helps direct everybody and also guards the best wing player on the other team, definitely a problem. But we also missed him on the offensive end, I think. Well, and that's the thing, like yesterday watching that game, you started to, to notice Scar is not in there, but it's kind of masked by the fact that Clyde Trapp was scoring the ball and playing well in his place. But what is lost in all of it um, was the fact that he wasn't there on the defensive end. And I think in hindsight, that was probably a, a big reason why, even though we did have the better scoring numbers, while we ended up losing that game. Um, we, we talked about Amir Sims, too, and his losing minutes to Hunter Tyson. He's down under eight points per game in league play, averaging only about six and a half in his last 11. Uh, scoring double digits only four times in his last 16 games. And we had a conversation about this yesterday watching the game as well. As, um, his lack of aggression on going inside is just so frustrating because he's talented, he's capable, but he's just not getting it done. Yeah, it's we've talked about it a bunch of times, but 
his favorite move to do is to be on the perimeter, get a pass in the corner or up at the, the corner uh, of the key and get past his defender and then pull up and turn around and pass it back out instead of finishing strong through contact. Uh, and it's the most frustrating thing to watch probably of the entire team this season. That's the thing that bothers me the most because uh, he consistently is able to get past defenders and then just does nothing with the possession. And he is a good free throw shooter and a capable finisher around the rim. And instead of trying to either draw fouls or score, you know, contested layups, he gives up and it's just super frustrating to watch. Yeah. And listen, you know, he's still a sophomore. Um, There's so much time for him to improve, but I was hoping he would figure it out this year. This year. Yeah. I mean, you've got, you've seen guys like Gabe DeVoe and Dante Grantham improve throughout their career at Clemson after getting off to a, to a slow start in their, in their early years. But, uh, so you just hope for the same from Sims, but we kind of, we really needed that with the lack of depth. Um, a lot of positions this year, we kind of really needed him and, and losing scoring from last year, specifically Gabe DeVoe needed somebody to step up in that spot. You, you hoped it was him. Um, but the fact of the matter is it just hasn't been. Now he's still got to love his effort on the, you know, rebounding the ball. He's like, he's a Absolutely. fantastic rebounder. He's still putting in the effort out there. So you got to give him credit for that. Um, now on the flip side that has led to Hunter Tyson's minutes, uh, been increasing. He did not play at Louisville. So I'm going to throw that one out there, but in his previous five games, besides that one, he's averaged about 14 and a half minutes a game. He only scored in three of them, but his nine points against Pitt, again, was really a positive sign. Yep. You'd love to see it when the when the freshmen have a game where they gain a little confidence. Hopefully, I mean, Tyson's a pretty decent defender. Uh, he's long and lanky, and he tries really hard. So he's not uh, like a major black hole on defense where we can't get him out on the court. So if he gets some some confidence offensively, hopefully the coaching staff will put him out there more and see that confidence continue to grow and build and, and he can improve, continue to improve as he already has this season. Um, but we need more bench production and he's a uh, offensively, especially he's probably the best chance that we have uh, outside of Clyde trap. Yeah. And trap even going into the, NC, uh, the North Carolina game, he had struggled lately uh, with only four points in his previous three games on one 11 shooting. Now he did shoot, 50% from the field, including 50% from three and four, four from the line against North Carolina. So hopefully those previous three games were just kind of an outlier. And this is more of what we could expect because, you know, those struggling through those three games, notwithstanding, he had shot really well in ACC play. Yeah. He's, he's looked good. Um, he's shooting on, on the season from in during ACC play, uh, 38% from three. So if we can get that from him, He's up to 30, almost 34% on the season. If we can get that 38, 39% for, from three from him uh, and continue to get that 40-ish percent from Scara and Reed and get 35-ish percent from Sims and um, Shelton Mitchell, that's good enough to take a bunch of three-point shots. You know, if they're all shooting around 35% or better, that's good enough for the college game. Uh and so we just have to continue to see them hit those shots and, and hopefully it holds out. Uh, adding Clyde as another potential three-point shooter is actually really great because we didn't have any on the bench that were hitting consistently. And if he and Tyson can start to hit shots as well, it really opens up the floor for the rest of the players. Yeah, so really when it all comes down to it, I, I see three glaring weaknesses on this on this team that is kind of leading to our offense struggling a bit. And 
kind of put us in that borderline uh, bubble uh, for the NCAA tournament. That's been just not smart play from your senior por- uh, point guard, um, a lack of aggressive play from Amir Sims and a guy you really wanted to step up this year. And we're just not that deep. There's not a lot of production off the bench. And to me, that's it in a nutshell. Yeah, and I think three-point shooting, uh, I would throw in there, we're still shooting 33 point, like exactly one-third, essentially, of our shots from three are going in this season, uh, which is good. It has been getting getting better. better. It's getting better. We're shooting uh, almost 35% from three in ACC play, uh, which is good for fifth in the conference, so not bad. Uh, But we're 229th in the country for the entire season at 33.3%. So I would agree with your assessment. Uh, turnovers in general. Uh, we talked about that with with Mitchell amongst others, but our, our turnover rate's way too high, uh, especially for a senior heavy team. Um, and then the three-point shooting and the lack of aggression or lack of other options on scoring and self-created shots, I think is really what that ties back to, is that Mitchell and Reed can't be the only ones who can create their own shot. So getting scoring from Amir Sims out of getting a more aggressive approach or Clyde Trapp starting to hit some shots and, and being able to drive and create shots for himself, really important for the potential future success of this team. Right. So as I mentioned, uh, we're kind of winding down and running out of time left on this season to, to help pad our resume to get into the tournament. So uh, let's move on to that and take a look at the remainder of the uh, upcoming schedule for this year and uh, what we think our odds are of getting in. Okay, Sam, we got two regular season games left, one at Notre Dame. Uh, they're a 13 and 15 team, three and 12 in the ACC. So it is a road game and you can, you know, you see what happened against Miami. So anything's possible, but that's one that we certainly should win. And then finally, we wrap up the year at home against Syracuse, who is a, has been playing decently so far this year. Um, they're 19 and 10, 10 and six in the ACC. So that one, again, I mentioned the zone defense worries for me, so that one's Absolutely. not a gimme. I could, because we've got one on the road and that one at home against Syracuse, I can actually see us losing the last two games. Yeah, uh, I wouldn't be shocked. Notre Dame is a dangerous team, uh, especially for how crappy their record looks. Uh, they're much better than you would think, given the record. Uh, they have three wins in ACC play so far this year. Uh, they came against BC twice and Georgia Tech, but they've had super close contests with Virginia. Um, they had a close game against Virginia Tech, Florida State, Wake. Like they've been, not that Wake's good, but they've had a bunch of close losses within a couple possessions. And uh, if we're not careful, especially since we are um, playing them on the road, we we need to be ready for them to come out and be ready to fight. And so then going into the Syracuse game, as I mentioned, the struggles against the zone defense against Pitt, um, where you put us with our chances of winning that one? So I think there's a good chance we win that Notre Dame game, despite all the stuff I just said. Uh, As long as we're prepared, we'll be fine. Syracuse, uh, they're not a good offensive team either. Uh, They have a bunch of guys who also love to shoot mid-range shots. Um, Frank Howard has not had a good year. Um, but guys like Tyus Battle, O'Shea Brissett, Elijah Hughes, um, they're prone to, to taking it to the rack or pulling up for, for mid-range jumpers. As long as we can shut down their three-point shooting from Hughes and Doljai on the outside, I think there's a good chance we slow them down enough that, that we can win against them. Uh, it's just, it's going to be competitive and it's going to be close. So we're not the best in 
close games. Uh, we're, we're four and eight this year in three game possessions or closer. So nine points or closer games. Uh, last year we were 11 and seven in those kinds of games uh, in the regular season. So I'm not super confident in our ability to close uh, yesterday's game. Just another example, the buzzer beaters that ESPN continually showed throughout the game. I hate it. Also, also a great reminder for that. Thanks for that ESPN. Uh, so we know we don't do great in close games this year. Um, and it, it leads back to all the reasons we, we just talked about, but I think Syracuse is going to be a close one. And so we need to find a way to pull it out. Okay, so let's uh, assume for the sake of conversation that we do win out and we end up at 19 and 12 and 9 and 9 in the league heading into the ACC tournament. Is that enough based on uh, the resume that we have? Is that enough alone for us to get into the NCAA tournament? So if we win out uh, and go 9 and 9 in the ACC, that'll put us in the 9 seed that we're currently sitting in, more than likely. Because um, North Carolina State is the other one that could potentially drop below us to move up to eighth. But the important thing there is if we're the nine seed, we get a, a buy on opening day. And if we're the nine seed, that means we're playing the eight seed, which is probably going to be NC state. Um, I don't think a loss to NC state in the second round of the ACC tournament with wins over Syracuse and Notre Dame gets us in. So if we win those two games, we might still get in as a 12 seed. It's possible even if we lose to NC State. But I don't think we would feel comfortable, certainly. Uh, so I would say we need to win. It really doesn't matter what we do against Syracuse. If we beat Notre Dame and have a close loss against Syracuse, it doesn't really change the trajectory of the season at all. Um, it would be better to get the win. It puts us in a better position if we do end up losing in the second round of the ACC tournament to whomever we play. Uh, but I think we're going to need to win that game in the, the second round of the ACC tournament to really feel like we have a good shot of getting in. And that's regardless of whether or not we went out. Correct. Yeah. Um, and that's probably going to be NC State, uh, given the current standings. And, and this is when you go back and look at those losses to specifically Miami and North Carolina State. Um, to where those really hurt. You know, when you lose that at the time to NC State, you still have a lot, a lot of games left in the season and opportunities to pick up big wins and pad your resume, but Clemson did not do that. So now those things come back to bite you in the butt. Um, yeah, I think whether, I think if we went out, I, I think it's almost a must. I think if we lose one of these last two games, we almost have to win the ACC tournament or at least make it to the title game um, to get in. And I don't see that happening, but I wonder... Um, to what extent, and we're not very used to this at all, but to what extent our run in the tournament last year and bringing a lot of the same guys who were on that team back is maybe going to give um, some favor to Clemson uh, uh, by the selection committee. Yeah, it also helps that the, <clears throat> the bubble's pretty weak this year. There are a lot of teams that are middle of the road in larger conferences like us that are getting consideration for, for the last few teams in. Uh, some examples, Arizona State, Minnesota, Alabama, all teams that are right on the bubble with us. Uh, there are probably more deserving teams. Um, Utah State, for example, that just beat Nevada last night. Uh, that probably should be in over us, I would think. But we'll see you know, how the committee goes. So all we can do is give ourselves the best chance to get in. And I think if we can win out 
and get a win against either Louisville or NC State in that second round game in the in the ACC tournament, it'll give us a really good shot to get in. Yeah, I think if we went out and get at least one win in the ACC tournament, I feel pretty comfortable about this team. What I wouldn't feel yep. comfortable about is if we just went out and don't get a win in the ACC tournament. Um, I think that is going to make things much harder. And on come selection uh, Sunday, uh, I think we're all going to be on pins and needles waiting for the announcement. Yeah, if that's the scenario, we're not going to be feeling good. Yeah. Um, so bottom line is we need to win. Um, and we are running out of time to do so. Um, taking a look around the league, um, there's kind of been a power shift at the tops and bouncing back and forth. Duke has actually dropped back um, into, I guess you'd call that, third place yep. uh, with, with Virginia and North Carolina tied uh, for the conference lead at, at 14 and two um, North Carolina has been playing really well as of late. So it is encouraging to see our boys uh, stick with them yesterday. Uh, Zion Williamson's been out for the, for the last few games, hasn't he with an injury? Yeah. Zion's missed a few since he broke his shoe uh, against UNC in the first couple seconds of, of that game. Um, yeah. How crazy was that? It was pretty insane. Never seen anything like that. It's what you get when you get, you know, a linebacker on the basketball court who can also cut like he's a point guard. Shoes are not made for that. No. <laughs> At least apparently the PG, uh, PG Nike shoes that Zion was wearing are not made for that. Um, so yeah, Duke's in third. I think they're still probably the best team once Zion gets back and is healthy. I agree. Uh, which he should, I think, be back for their next game is what it seems like. Uh, he was... Uh, day of decision uh, for their for their game against Miami yesterday. Um, it was interesting to see all the chatter surrounding that about people saying that maybe he should sit out for the rest of the year. And I think if that would have happened, that would have been the dagger and the one done rule. Yeah. I just, I think Zion actually cares about his teammates and about college basketball and his time at Duke. Uh, he, he went there instead of to Clemson because he wanted a chance to win a national championship and he actually cares about that. And so all the people saying he's, he should sit and shut it down prep for the draft. Yeah. That's probably the smarter financial decision for him. Um, but he, you know, he's an 18, 19 year old kid that loves basketball and actually cares about playing. So I, you know, as a basketball fan, college basketball fan, I can't wait for him to be back. He's the best player in college basketball right now. He's the most exciting and he's on a very, very good team that has a chance to win the national championship. So, and I'm sure he has a decent insurance policy. I hope, I hope that he does. Um, so, you know, if we look at the standings, Duke's got games left, uh, against wake and UNC, uh, they're at UNC to end the season on March 9th, next Saturday. Uh, UNC has games against obviously Duke and BC and Virginia has <clears throat> two left, one against Syracuse, one against Louisville. So UNC and Duke both have one tough game and one easy-ish game. UNC or Virginia has two medium difficulty games, uh, both teams that are good, but not as good as Virginia. So if everything goes as expected, that UNC Duke game could potentially determine um, you know, the rankings in the ACC tournament. If Virginia wins out, they have the tiebreaker over uh, UNC, but not Duke. So if Duke wins that UNC matchup and Virginia wins out and Duke wins out, Duke will be the one seed. 
And chances are, if Clemson does pick up a, a win in the ACC tournament in that second round, that we're likely going to be facing one of these teams in the next. We season. would face whoever the one seed was. Uh, that so sucks. <laughs> that sucks for us because uh, if we're p- playing Duke, there's no chance. Uh, if we're playing Virginia, there's pretty much no chance. And if we're playing UNC, uh, good redemption opportunity for us. But uh, I wouldn't expect us not to on, win that game, not especially, on a neutral, not on especially a in a neutral location yeah. in Charlotte. Um, so pretty much we have to win that second round game against either NC State or Louisville, whoever we're in, we end up matched up with in the 8-9 matchup, uh, if that's where we are. And then we kind of just have to see if we can play a competitive game against one of the top three teams. Yeah, and speaking of those top three teams, they're not only top three in the ACC, but they're all three in the top five nationally. So yeah, a really strong ACC this year between those three and then Florida State and Virginia Tech also over 20 wins at this point, playing really well. Um, and, you know, really everybody above us, starting with NC State, who's up to 20 wins on the year, the top eight in the ACC is it's pretty strong this year. Yeah, I think uh, when you're looking at, you know, setting the line for the NCAA tournament, we're right on it. Obviously, we've talked about how close we are to getting in. Um, I think NC State still has a little bit of work to do to to ensure that they're going to get an invite, but they're on the right track, and they have two easy-ish games against Georgia Tech and Boston College remaining. So you would expect them to win both of those, end at 10-8 and eight with 22 wins in the regular season. That'll get you in, especially in the ACC. They've got some good wins uh, against other NCAA tournament teams, uh, likely NCAA tournament teams at least. So they're in good shape. Um, and then everything above them are pretty much locked in already to get into the NCAA tournament. Yeah, so we know we'll have at least eight in there, um, and we'll fingers crossed that we get a ninth. I think at this point, you know, maybe Louisville hasn't locked themselves up um, a spot yet, but I tend to think that everybody else has besides Clemson. Yeah, I think uh, Louisville's wins against UNC and Virginia Tech um, are going to help them make their case. They also beat Michigan State early on in non-conference play. Uh, they played close with Marquette and lost in overtime to them. Like their their record against the top tier teams is pretty solid. Um, so I think there's a chance if they get blown out against Notre Dame and then lose to Virginia, which are their last two games, that they they fall to obviously that would put them at nine and uh, nine. So we would actually still be below them in the standings, but we would be tied record-wise. I think they still get in over us in that scenario because uh, they have better wins. But it's less secure. NC State and Louisville are the two that are not 100% locked in, probably. Right. Well, bottom line is, uh, for Clemson, we need to win. Uh, we need to at least win, in our estimation, three games uh, here to feel comfortable. Two uh, might do it, but three would definitely yeah. make us feel good. So let's see what happens. Uh, so that wraps it up for basketball. We'll uh, we'll be back with a check in um, at the um, once the regular season ends. So after the next few games and heading into the ACC tournament. So, uh, but for now, let's uh, let's switch it over to take a look at the baseball team. Okay, Sam, this team is currently losing eleven to three in the bottom of the sixth inning to South Carolina. So not going so good today. Um, well, let's start with a, a brief look back at last, last year. The 2018 team finished 47 and 6, 22 and 8 in the ACC. Uh, finished 
ranked 19th in Baseball America and 13th in the D1 baseball polls. Uh, we were knocked out in the third game of the ACC tournament by Florida State. We did host a regional as a 10 seed. It was a near repeat of the 2017 regional as far as the teams were concerned. Uh, finally, uh, we ultimately got knocked out by Vandy 19 to 6 in the season, so not a good look there. Again, Clemson fails to um, move on from a regional. I think the last time, what was 2010, the last time that we got to a super regional. Mm. Um, we played consistently for the most part last year, 11 and 3 in midweek games, with two of those losses coming to Georgia. Um, so, not your typical midweek opponent. We did suffer a couple losing streaks. Um, but ultimately, we were 12 of 15, uh, one 12 of 15 three game series, sweeping seven of them. Uh, we hit 261 as a team last year, which was the lowest team batting average in Monty Lee's seasons. But that being said, we were second in the country with home and home runs with uh, 98. And I think we were something like we, the third place team had like 20 less home runs than us, but Tennessee Tech. Yeah, like Tennessee led, Tech had a, a million. Yeah, they had like 30 more than us and led the country. That was asinine. Yeah. Um, so we had 23 more homers last year than their previous best under Monty Lee. So more of a power production team last year as opposed to batting average and getting on base. Uh, pitching stats, another good year under the instruction of Andrew C., a 3.65 team ERA, a 2.2 to 1 strikeout to walk ratio, and a solid 239 opponents batting average against. Fielding um, continues to rise under league, uh, 975 fielding percentage last year. So fundamentals are improving. That's good to see. So all in all, uh, some things to improve on coming into the 2019 season. I think we're needing to rely less on um, the homer and more on batting average. We want to still continue to see solid fielding and that that team ERA um, continue to be low to keep us in uh, games. But at the end of the day, we, we have to start winning our regionals, especially when we're hosting them, uh, to really start feeling like we're having some success moving forward with Monty Lee. So turning around now to the 2019 season, we do lose uh, some important guys, especially Seth Beer and Chris Williams gone. So top two leading home run hitters from last year, they accounted for 41% of the team's home runs. So that's going to be a huge loss again. All uh, the more reason why we need to probably focus more on batting average this year, which mm -hmm. off to a, a better start this year so far. Um, it's a very young team, 28 out of the 39 players on the roster are underclassmen. They're going to really need to grow up quick. And I, I don't wonder if we see some growing pains, uh, early on and starting to manifest itself, I think, in the starting position as we saw today. Yeah. Struggling today. Um, but I think, like you said, we're hitting better as a team. Uh, we're at 271 so far this year, uh, for batting average, which is, is pretty solid. Uh, we'll take it. Uh, we've got a lot of young guys that we're going to need to contribute on both sides of the ball, uh, both out in the field, um, making plays, pitching well, and uh, behind, the, behind the plate uh, with batting. There's a lot of new contributors or guys that are, are getting bigger shares of, of starts. And they're going to be asked to grow up real quick. I mean, a guy, for instance, Bryce Teodosio, who played in limited action last year, I think he battled with an injury. He didn't um, hit that well, but he's off to a hot start this year. So yeah. it's guys like that, guys that are, you know, have been on the team for a year, just really making that next big step up. But also we need some really impact freshmen this year. And you have started to see that in guys like uh, Davis Sharp. Um, on the pitching side, we lose Jake Higginbotham, we lose Riley Gilliam, uh, and we lose Ryan Miller. So some key losses there. And I think bigger than anything else is the injury to Spencer Strider. We were really planning on him 
to be an anchor and that starting weekend rotation this year. He went five and two last year with a four seven six ERA as a freshman. Led the team in strikeouts with seventy in about twenty to thirty innings less than the than the starting pitcher. So pretty amazing stat right there. His uh, his control was an issue at times last year, but we really expected that to improve coming into this year. So that the loss to him is is huge in my part. Yeah, the pitching staff, uh, the staff, the starters is looking weaker than last year. And it's not necessarily that it will stay that way. It's just more uncertain at this point in the season. Uh, but our our um, bullpen is pretty strong. We've got a bunch of guys that played and contributed at least a little bit last year. Guys like Matt Clark, Travis Marr, um, Holt Jones, Carson Spears, etc. But the the starting rotation is just sort of we don't know what to expect. We we had Justin Robleski start today. Uh, he gave up five five earned in a third of an inning. Um, and you know, and it's just he's kind of been um, you know what we've seen out of Davis Sharp through his first two starts was or was positive. He did get roughed up a little bit against South Carolina yesterday. Robleski has been a little bit shaky so far this year, and he got you know really dinged today. So then you throw in Keyshawn Askew, who's done really well in his midweek starts, and you know he struggled a little bit in his time to get against South Carolina. So, yeah, I, I think once we really get into ACC play and we start to play some better competition, that we may see some warts in this pitching staff, and you may have to see a guy like Hennessy come back in. He was relegated to the bullpen and hasn't really pitched that well out of the bullpen. You may see him come back and get um, uh, a role um, as a starter this year. So yeah. Brooks Crawford, I think, is solidly going to be locked in there. Um, he has you know, struggled to get into five innings so far this year um, in his starts, which he did so last year, but really came on as at the end of the year being our most consistent starter. But um. Yeah, I'm starting to be concerned, especially from what I've seen in the South Carolina series um, with our starting rotation. Yeah, he got uh, touched up against South Carolina in the first game of this series on on Friday. Uh, Crawford did. Uh, but his other two starts were pretty solid. Uh, almost made it five in the game against South, Al- South Alabama and against VMI. He went 5.1, gave up three, three runs, two earned, uh, and had seven strikeouts. So if Crawford can be a, a consistent starter for us and Sharp can can figure it out and be and do what he's done so far, uh, two forty five ERA through his first two, um, first through his first three starts, and Askew can be you know middle of the road, uh, which he's doing pretty well so far. Having three solid starters, we can figure out the midweek games uh, to get some wins against some potentially lesser teams, which is what a lot of those midweek games are. You know, I'm not super worried about the pitching staff. Uh, it's more, how do we replace the the run production that Chris Williams and Seth Beer left when when they went to the pros? Well, and I'm, I'm less concerned about the hiccups with the pitching staff uh, through this series is against South Carolina. I think more in the long run, the question becomes if you're relying heavily on, on freshmen and especially true freshmen, they're going to hit a wall at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, it's good to have that deep bullpen, although they're not doing so great today either. Um, no. So, I mean, today is just or it's up to 13 to three now. Yeah. Today is so just bad all around. Yeah. 13 to three runners on second and third while pitch gets a guy in this is just going swell um <laughs> so yeah i really uh, what concerns me more than anything is do the freshman hit a wall at some point this this season we're deep and talented but inexperienced for the most part so it'll be interesting to see how the pitching staff 
uh, takes shape. It was pretty consistent last year with Higginbotham, Crawford, and Hennessy. I don't think that stability is, is going to remain throughout the course of the season, so it'll be interesting to see how all of that starts to shake out. Um, Jackson Lindley's another guy, um, a freshman, who's going to probably get some opportunities in the midweek starter role, so we'll see how um, he fares. But, yeah, overall, on paper, the bullpen looks really solid, and they're probably going to have an increased role this year for certain. Um, you mentioned the production uh, from the hitting side. We, we did expect a pretty big drop-off as far as homers are concerned, uh, but as of right now, after we get the stats in from this game, we're still going to be in the top three in home runs in the country, if not in the top two. South Carolina is also one of those top teams, and they've hit some dingers today. Um, I don't think we're going to have like the 20 home run guys that we had last year, but it could be just a handful of guys that are in double digits. You know, guys yeah. like Grayson Bird, Logan Davidson is going to uh, probably lead the team in home runs when all said and done. Um, Sam Hall can hit the long ball. Bryce Teodosio um, has been good at the plate this year. We mentioned him. So um, I think that's what it's going to come down to. We're going to need a more consistent batting average and just spread more of that production over a wider swath of guys than we did last year. Yeah, much more even approach. Um, you mentioned a bunch of guys that have shown some more pop this season than, than we expected. Sam Hall and Teodosio, I think, specifically are, are guys that we didn't really expect to be hitting a bunch of home runs that have hit three and four already um coming into today i think uh, and pretty sure hall hit another one or davidson hit another one today so that should be his fourth of the season um so you know if we can get 15 12 15 home runs from five or six guys that's going to look great for us as far as run production goes so I, I think we just need to get a more consistent approach um and if we can get some power from from a wider range of guys then we'll be just fine as far as run production goes, and we'll have a good chance to make another run to a regional and, and hopefully win this time. Yeah, and we failed to mish, mention uh, Davis Sharp. He not only pitches, but he hits. Um, yeah. Batting 344 in the year as of right now with a couple home runs. Um, Hackenberg behind the plate. Um, uh, you know, he, he's got some power. He puts some, uh, a lot of effort into those swings, but not hitting <laughs> very, uh, very good average for a very good average right now. So, um, again, Wilkie has been battling some, I think, tendonitis in his wrist. So you've seen Hackenberg get some more playing time. I imagine as we continue to go throughout the year, that'll become less and less as Wilkie stays in there. Um, you know, Kyle Wilkie is going to be a huge guy too. Ended last year on a 29 game hitting streak, led the team in batting average, hitting 324. Um, only 15 of his 70 hits were for extra bases though. And he started this year as the cleanup hitter. So I wonder, um, if he remains in that spot or if that doesn't start to, to shift around, maybe Grayson Bird drops back um, into the fourth spot. Grayson has off to a little bit of a slow start this year, but now has his batting average up to 300, so that's a positive sign. Yeah, I think, you know, we're, we're, we talked about it before. We're going to score five-plus runs in most of the games that we play this year. So as long as we continue to do that and the pitching staff can keep us five and lower, we're going to have a good season. Um, we're ranked number 14 uh, coming into this week, I think, or uh, as of this week's rankings, according to Baseball America. Um, and, you know, we're playing another good team in South Carolina this week. But we'll see if we can. We're probably not going <laughs> to win the one today. Uh, it's now 14 to 3 in the bottom of the sixth. 
but uh, I, I think we're going to win most of the series. It's going to look a lot like last year as far as record goes. Um, probably slightly worse during the regular season, but hopefully we can have a better outcome uh, in the postseason. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of, of what was it, Monty Lee's first season where we kind of struggled but really came on the end of the year, ended up winning the ACC. Um, it, it might have a similar a path this year, just primarily because we are so young. Um pitching wise and we're going to hit some bumps in the road there we are eight and two on the year let's call it eight and three assuming that we're going to lose the game today um you know started off won the the series two to one over south alabama we've won all our midweek games swept vmi at home um now playing south carolina looking like we're going to lose this series two to one um the first game we, we talked about, Brooks Crawford got knocked out early against South Carolina, gave up five runs and only two innings pitch. Uh, Matt Clark uh, really led the bullpen as they locked it down for the rest of the game, not giving up a run, but the bats really couldn't get it done, although they did have opportunities. Um, the bats did come alive in the 11-5 to win yesterday. Uh, Clemson hit three home runs. Uh, Bird with a good game going two for five. Um, and then, of course, here we are losing today. So um, what – was optimistic after yesterday's game, uh, not looking so much so for winning the series today. Um, overall, when we kind of step back and take a look, um, uh, take, take a look on this year, um, we're batting 271 as a team so far, as you mentioned. So that's up from last year. We still want to see that improve. We're at the top of the league in home runs. A 978 field per- fielding percentage, can't argue with that. Um, we'd love to continue to see the fundamentals rise there. And coming into today, a 340 team ERA, with uh, 124 strikeouts to only 32 walks. So Monty Lee and Andrew C's philosophy has always been uh, throw strikes, pitch to contact, let the fielding uh, do the work. And for the most part, that has worked out for this team, uh, not so much today. Um, so we still, it's hard to know what to expect from this team with them being so young. Uh, we've, saw, we've seen some good things so far this year and some things that um, should concern us. So we'll see how that plays out. Um, Looking around the league, there's five teams ranked in the Baseball America uh, poll, two in the top ten coming out of the ACC. Um, The ACC was kind of down last year, which I think led to us maybe having an inflated record. Um, The Atlantic Division does have four quality teams in Clemson, FSU, Louisville, and North Carolina State. Um, Obviously, the the series this weekend not going so well. And then we open up the ACC lead at home uh, with a series against North Carolina. So these kids are going to be thrown right into it. Yeah, not a whole lot of time to you know warm up against lesser competition. Uh, like you mentioned, the ACC is going to be really strong. Uh, I, you know, we we won forty six games last year. Um, I, I would or forty seven, forty seven, yeah, forty seven. Uh, I would definitely expect uh, a lower number. Yeah, I would look lower. I mean, it it could be a borderline 40 win season just because yep. of the youth in the starting rotation. Yep. That's kind of where I would put my guess is that 40, 41 range. Uh, but that'll be enough to get us into a regional, probably not hosting one. Uh, maybe it would be enough, but you know, we're still going to be a very good team and it's really, this season's going to come down to, do we perform um, when, when it matters, you know? Yeah. And I think it, in, I think when if you're struggling against better competition, that's when it becomes all the more important to play well in your midweek games and win yep. those. And historically, Monty Lee has been good at that. Um, a couple aside from the South Carolina series, we do have a home of home series uh, versus Georgia and Coastal Carolina. So those are going to be a couple midweek games that are going to be uh, tough going. Um, we split the series last year against Coastal Carolina and Georgia swept us. 
other notable series, uh, we got home series against Louisville and Duke and uh, away series against Florida State and NC State um, on top of the home series we already mentioned with North Carolina. So, um, yeah, we'll see how it plays out. Again, I, I worry about the, the freshmen hitting a wall and how um, the ones that are we're relying on in the field, how they develop at the plate. You know, you got guys like um, – uh, Michael Green, who's who's playing in the outfield, he's a transfer. Um, does he start to pick it up a little bit? Does a guy like here Meredith, um, you know, he's been kind of in and out playing this year, um, and we expect a lot of him coming into the season. So we'll see if that hype surrounding that is uh, if if he lives up to that. So yeah. Um, again, uh, yeah, I think we probably targeting in that low forties range would probably be a good regular season out of this team, hoping that they improve over the course of the year. Um, so uh, kind of some predictions, will the team batting average improve this year? I think it has to, and I think mm -hmm. it will. We've seen that mm -hmm. so far, but certainly like to see it go up. What do you think? Yeah, I'd agree with that. It, it definitely needs to, because we're not going to have the same powers last year. Uh, but I think we've got, uh, you know, the guys that were contributors last year, are that are back this year are going to be hopefully improving and a lot of the younger guys uh, are also like davis sharp we're going to have some young contributors that are going to play well offensively and hit for average uh, so i think it should improve um i you wouldn't i wouldn't expect anybody hits more than like 20 home runs i don't think anybody gets to that 20 mark this year even davidson he could Wait. He's our if anyone shot. does it, yeah, if anyone does it, it's going to be him. I think he probably ends up more like 18. Um, but I'm hoping, like we talked about, that there's four or five other guys that are in that 15 range. Right. And so that's the question. Do we have more guys kind of over the 10 home run into the double digits as opposed to a couple of guys over 20 as we did last year? So that'll be something to look out for. Um, do you think Sharp and Robleski remain starters throughout the season? Um I'm thinking maybe with Robleski's outing today, I'm leaning towards maybe him not. I think Sharp yeah. probably has a better chance. Yeah, I think of the two, Sharp has the better chance. Uh, I think we could definitely see Hennessy come back into the starting rotation, like you mentioned. Um, and if he does, it's going to be because Askew or Robleski can't consistently come out and pitch well. Um, so my guess would be maybe one of the two. Where do you think we finish in the ACC? I think probably fourth in our division. Um, yeah. In our division, maybe third. So there's four strong teams that you mentioned in our division. Uh, plus Duke uh, is the other team that's currently ranked um, in the top 25. Uh, you know, Florida state and North Carolina, I think are the two that are in the top 10 at the moment. Um, Louisville's 12th. I think we probably do finish behind uh, the three of them and ahead of, um, ahead of Louisville, or sorry, ahead of Duke, um, in the top in the, of those top five. But there are other strong teams as well that could make a run into that. My guess would be we finish fourth. Yeah, that's where I've got us kind of in the division is is that borderline third or fourth in our, in the Atlantic division, and then overall the Coastal division is not quite as strong as the Atlantic. Um, but I think we're going to be a good team. We're not going to be a great team. And so that puts us not quite middle of the road, a little bit above that, but also not paddling kind of at the top tier throughout the season. Yep. Um, do you think we make it to Omaha this year? I hope so. Uh, <laughs> it's it's kind of, on the back of our hats. Yeah, it, it, uh, it's kind of like talking about the 
the NCAA tournament with with basketball, right? A lot of it comes down to matchups and how you play in that first weekend uh, at the in the regional, right? Um, it's hard to predict who you're going to get matched up with and what the the trajectory trajectory of the team will be like at that point in the season. Uh, I think we're we're definitely going to be good enough to make it to a regional. We might be good enough to host one. Uh, if we host one, I think if we host again, we win it. If we don't, there's a chance that we win it and get through and get to Omaha, uh, or at least to a super regional. But my guess, if I had to put money on it now, is I, I'd say we don't get to Omaha this year. Yeah, I certainly don't have us getting to Omaha. I just think we're too young. Yep. Um, oh, oh, here's a home run. Is this a home run? Two-run dinger? Nope, double. Oh, well. 14-4, to four, top of seventh. <laughs> um, take another run? Yeah. Oh, then he's out at third. Um, yeah, so I don't have us getting to Omaha this year. I think if, I th- to your point, I think if we do get to a regional, that probably means uh, we get to hosting a regional, that that probably means that we played at the kind of top, um, you know, the high end of, the, the the high range, end of right? our, 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 our ability, uh, which yep. will be good to see, which will give me more confidence into actually winning a regional should we host. So I'll make that prediction now. If we host a regional, I do think we win because I think we'll have to be playing pretty well, obviously. Um, but that means the freshmen will have to be playing really well for us to yeah. um, to to get there. Um, uh, but if we just get into a regional, then I don't see us winning. And we did not get a run because we got thrown out at third. Poor base running for this team has been a problem throughout Monty Lee's uh, tenure here, and it continues on today. Yeah, I, I would agree with that prediction. Um, Based on what I'm seeing today, we're not going to host a regional. I'm going to ignore the fact that we just messed up in the current game. Uh, I, I still feel good about the team, but I think the odds are pretty good that if we don't host the regional and we're in that low 40s uh, range of wins, we're probably not going to get through a regional. Yeah. Bottom line is it's early in the baseball season, and I love all the people in the message boards that start losing losing it after a, a couple games. Like a guy like Grayson Berg gets off to a slow start at the plate. Like, give it time, folks. It's baseball. Like, you have a long season. There's going to be 50-something games. Um, and so a loss, a serious loss to South Carolina this weekend is not the end of the world. Again, this is a very young team. They're going to need time to develop. And I, I think more towards the middle of the season, we're going to have a better um, sense of the pulse of this team and, and how good they're going to be. So that wraps it up for today. Uh, moving forward again, we'll be back with a check-in of uh, the basketball team as we head into the ACC tournament. And we'll also continue to, uh, to follow them throughout the postseason, which at the very least is probably going to include an NIT berth. Uh, so hopefully not. Uh, hopefully we get into the NCAA tournament, but that is a very likely scenario. Um, and we will also continue to follow the baseball team checking in periodically to see how they do throughout the course of the year. And then we've also got spring practice. That started back up. Um, we never checked in after National Signing Day uh, with the football team because there was really nothing of note uh, going on there. Um, but spring practice starting back up, a lot of anticipation uh, leading into the 2019 season to see if the boys can can repeat. Um, so we will be back uh, checking in periodically there. Um, Probably getting all the guys together to talk a little football and of course we'll uh, watch and recap the spring games so be sure to subscribe to us on whatever podcasting app you prefer um, and leave us a review on iTunes if you have a moment uh, you can reach out to us uh, clemsonpodcast at gmail.com 
over at Clemson Podcast on Facebook and Twitter. So appreciate everybody for listening and tuning in. And until next time, and as always, go Tigers. more so just catch up to where the boys are at this time of year but, uh, my mic falls over <laughs> that was good <laughs> and that's how this show starts and that's how this show ends oh crap hold on tighten that thing up I just tightened mine this morning Man, these things are pieces of shit it works much better when the screws are tight and the things twisted all the way onto the the wire yeah. rope rod thing.